With new Chips Ahoy Thins, we didn't stop at thin, we put an exclamation point on it. And we didn't stop with thin chocolate chip cookies, we made a thin cinnamon sugar variety too. And then we did a victory jig and then we stopped. But not really, still going. New Chips Ahoy Thins. Blog Talk Radio.
and, and I went all through the university system in Jamaica. I, I did a short with Teachers College. I did university. I went to Mount Alvernia High there. And then I came here and got a, a thorough education in the kind of New York underground performance scene. And then I've done theater here as well, and I've done a series of lectures in universities. I've taught in different places all over the world. It's been an interesting ride. It's been an interesting journey, and I'm very grateful to have had the experience of um, doing all those things um, in, in, in nearly four decades, you know? Mm. In the world of tweets, what is the role and purpose of a poet? Of, of tweets, you say? Yeah, tweets, the Twitter world. Um, of Twitter, you know. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, the, um, the world we live in is, is, is the microwave age. You know, everything is quick. You stick it in there and it's done in three minutes. You know, dinner, the, the, the old days of making stew peas and stewing it all day and making soup all day and doing cow foot all day in the soup. Those days are, are long gone. Now I buy, um, I buy Jamaican porridge. The grace porridges come in a little packet. I stick them in the microwave and I have omnicorn porridge for breakfast in two <laughs> seconds. Uh, you know, we, we live in a fast moving world where Communication is no longer left to the experts. You know, ordinary people can take a hold of their own um, their own voices, their own visions, and 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 find an outlet for them online. I have about five thousand people or six thousand on Twitter. I have, you know, seven thousand on one Facebook page, and I have another five thousand somewhere else. That means I have, you know, roughly you know seven and five, twelve, and another five. That's seventeen thousand people who I can immediately get a message too and in turn those people can take those messages and send them elsewhere the internet is an amazing amazing invention and certainly amazing tool of our time quite true when did you discover your rare talent as a poet and writer i don't think it's so rare you know i think so many people there are so many amazingly talented people who hail from jamaica and iran and uh, Pakistan. I think that, you know, as I said, under pressure, some things become possible. I was, uh, when I came out as a lesbian in Jamaica and decided that Jamaica was not the safest place to be an out lesbian, I wanted to partner with a woman and have children with a woman and raise them with a partner who is a woman. And I didn't think Jamaica was the right place to do that. So I moved to the U.S. And when I came here, I discovered um, other problems here like racism and the problems that immigrants face. And, you know, I didn't find that that America was the um, the, 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 the utopia that I was hoping for. It, yeah, it, 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 I mean, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, um, yeah, I didn't, find, I didn't find the utopia. I didn't find the, 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 the kind of, you know, happily ever after that I, I was looking for when I was young and completely, you know, taken up with being a lesbian. And and um, now that I'm I'm you know I, I've but one thing America has given me is the ability to kind of jump right in and uh, become a part of the world you wish to see, and so that's mm -hmm. where I think I discovered my voice and that's where I discovered the tool of writing as a weapon, you know, as a weapon of choice in terms of this war against our people, this war against people of color, this war against immigrants, this war against lesbians, this war against poor people. Um, you know, I, I use. You know, I became a writer primarily because I wanted the world to be better. And having been a student of literature at the university, it was easy for me to slip into the notion of being a writer um, because I, I understood how people could be moved so deeply by words. Mm. Who and what are the major influences that help 
you develop your poetic voice? I think that, as I said, I, I went to university um, in Jamaica and studied philosophy and literature under the likes of Mervyn Morris, Professor Mervyn Morris, and oh, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yes. I mean, you know, people people know these these names. You know, um, you know, Professor Edward Ball. Their work, you know, I studied the works of Lorna Goodison. I studied Mutabaruka as a student on mm-hmm. campus. Um, really. Yeah, you know, and then I studied the dead white guys too from England, the you know, <laughs> and, and America, the T. S. Eliot, the you know Ezra Pound, the John Donne. Did you know? Um, y- yes, you know, and then I, you know, I read the works of Jean Rhys and um, just all the, uh, Velma Pollard, you know, um, mm-hmm. all all of these amazing, amazing, amazing writers who have you and know they laid have down something Jamaican to bring to stories. the table as well. But it's nice that you that you are immersed in knowing about your culture because uh, unfortunately a lot of us we're thoroughly colonialized and yeah, and but prefer the other and I think to 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 be a well-rounded person you need to know everybody's so well I I, I think that being I think that being a student on campus really encouraged me to um to take a bite out of everything because mm-hmm. the the education I received on campus from 90 uh, four to ninety seven was invaluable in that I studied so many different kinds of voices that by the time I took to my own pen, I had a very good idea of what good writing was, what bad writing was, what was valuable, what was not, what was effective, and what was not mm. and speaking of knowing um knowing our voice as Jamaicans, how did Miss Lou's influence your style Miss Lou mhm. I think I, I I studied I also did um a bunch of um poems from Miss Lou's work on campus but I remember as a child listening to Miss Lou on Ringding Ringding right oh, and I, <laughs> So I was yeah. I was sitting I you know I remember those voices I you know I I but it's Miss Lou is only a representation of what happens in Jamaica for real Everybody mm-hmm. in Jamaica can tell you a story. You say, "Okay, so what happened to you yesterday?" Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you. Now. Yesterday, no. So you notice, you know, my grandmother. Any day you would ask her. So, Grandma, you know, how was you know, you know, when did you move from Montego Bay to Kingston? And she said, "Well, you know, I did always want to move to to to, to, to Kingston, you know, because it was when your brother was born. I think your brother born '69. No, because Noel born '70. And he was born, oh, said this one, and it was raining that way. Because, you know, rain, oh, no, 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 rain again. Like, that was rain them times, you know. And you know, and she's, before you know it, you are two hours in a story listening to, to to something you hadn't asked for, but it actually contextualizes the world you come from. You find you find yourself becoming more deeply embedded in stories. You know, Jamaica, you know, long story, long water pea soup story. Everybody just... You know, we are we are about stories. We cannot just say, just go up the road and turn left. They say, no, man, go up the road. And you say, the Kentucky Fried Chicken up there, right across the street from, you know, the high-low supermarket. And you go up a little bit further, and, you know, right, you know, you, ha- you find that um, Hope Road. Just on the left side of Hope Road there, you might find um, Hope Pastures, where them rich people live. And you're on the right side, and you don't reach you yet when all you're trying to do is go straight up the road and make a right when you see. <laughs> how it is how we are, you know, we're dramatic, yeah. we're full of story. Yeah, and, and it's good that we have someone like you to um, share that to the world, at least give a voice to that world. How would you describe your style, and what has the public, what's been the public's response? 
I think it's been a number of different things. I've re- received, of course, you know, hundreds and hundreds of letters from Caribbean people, from Jamaican women, who, from um, young LGBT people in Jamaica who have thanked me for my, you know, very frank way of speaking about poverty in Jamaica, about violence mm-hmm. in Jamaica, about um, issues that you know negatively affect our girls, with specific reference to sexual molestation and rape, mm-hmm. and um, violence against women and children. I think I've got a lot of res- you know good responses. I've also had some very difficult um, you know responses where people have uh, um, people have actually said that no, I was not attacked, you know, on campus, or no, um, it's not true that you know gays and lesbians are at risk in Jamaica. That I'm making it all up to. To 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 um to get a story on Oprah or to to get the news here, um or to be famous or you know, but I find that when you're doing the right thing, you always have like a bunch of people with you and a bunch of people against you, so you might as well just you. keep on, eh? Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And so I mean, it's, it's been a mixed bag. And you find that with all people who have impacted, whether it's Christ or Mahatma um, Gandhi or or Martin Luther King. And um, since we've talked about different cultures, all cultures have their idiosyncrasies. You know, we're kind of on the long-winded side. And Scottish people speak brogue. Afro-Americans speak in Ebonics. Jamaicans speak in Papua. What is the role and function of this style of communication? Um, What is the role and function of this style in what? Of communication in terms of... I think you know mechanical and Apatwa, but I can also speak in standard English. You know, yeah, and then there's a way that African Americans, you know, they can speak in Ebonics, but then they can speak yeah, in English in the boardroom. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I feel that um, it is important for sub for 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 groups you know of insiders to speak a language that is unique to them. And everywhere you go, you will find that language will develop. I mean, even within the context of Jamaican culture, you will find that the people in Upper St. Andrew might have a particular accent and a particular way of saying things. And you find that the people in St. Elizabeth um, will have a different way of, 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 of speaking, you know, and you find that people in Jungle might have a different talk. Yeah, oh, I think what? it's, you know, it, I don't think it's, I, I think it adds a color. It speaks specifically about you know, you can you can you can find out about the way people are from the way they speak. You but can. They um, speak. But what I what I find, and since both of us are in the diaspora, you see this where if you're say if you're Afro American and you speak in Ebonics, white America has is is problematic for white America. They automatically view you as uneducated and just in, in completely negative terms. And in some communities in Jamaica, if you let go to Patwa, they'll look down upon you. And I don't see that negativity coming from a Scottish brogue. So is it possible that, say, because afro I don't. I don't think, origin- I think within the context of the American culture, you might find that different kinds of speak are more or less valuable depending on where you are. But I find if you went to... Scotland, and um, you know you have the, those people who are educated, and they might look down on people who do not necessarily speak, you know, the Queen's English or Standard English, the English of the the colonialized. Um, yeah. I, 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 do you think it has something to do with slavery? Because if, if um, a lot of people look down on Ebonics, right? I don't and know if black it's, people, and a lot of people look down on Jamaica. And is it because I don't know if it's I don't know if it's people 
who are speaking this dialect and it's oh negative, negative, you know, you you need to I don't know if it's English. I don't know if it's about slavery so much as it is about, you know, particular things are valuable in particular spaces. I remember when I moved from um you know, kind of the countryside in Jamaica, in Jamaica, in in a place called Bethel Town, where we were in my aunt's house. She was a teacher. We were expected to speak English all the time. Uh, and um, then there was another one who, um, when we moved, to, when I moved to urban Jamaica, like you know, inner city Montego Bay, and I was mm-hmm. speaking English, I was made fun of because of that. I think the language of power is standard English, or it's the standard of the language. That we live or standard in. English of that community, because if if it's um, American standard English, I find has to have more of a Midwestern dialect as opposed to a Southern drawl, and the standard American Jamaican English would be, I guess, colonialized or uptown people English for like yeah, but it has to do. I mean, there's standard English. There's always standard, as in the people in power decide that this is the way to. This is the way to speak properly. And then anybody who falls outside of that, whether we fall outside of it because we are Jamaicans and we have uh, an affinity for our own patois or whether mm-hmm. um, we are more comfortable in that language, um, you know, I find that you know, people who are Latina and who speak, um, who don't who speak their version Spanglish, which is their version of, of, of patois, I, I think that they're looked down upon because people are always seeking ways to make people more or less power, powerless, power, more powerful, mm-hmm. make themselves more powerful, make other people less powerful. And so I think language is a way that the powers that be, the status quo, make sure that they can control different kinds of people. They can control money. They can control who has access to education. They can control who has access to money. Because if you can't speak a certain way, you can't get a job that renders you um, you know, one of the the, the the wealthier people in society. I think it's just ways that people use to control. And uh, the more we understand that, the less we are prone to to be victim of it because then you can learn both or three or four different kinds of languages. You know, I think it, it you know, beat them at their own game and learn five ways of speaking. Well, we, since this is... Um Poetry History Month. Can you give us a? You can give us a look at of your reading. Um, I don't know what your um. This is a radio can you program. Share your, usually, well, no, usually I don't I'm mean a very long-winded. I mean maybe a, a, a like a haiku or something. You know, just something a haiku. Let me let me give you let me give you let me give you two haikus. Um, well, one, haiku, you know. haiku for my mother. Chinaman left her. Black child in her flat belly. Rock. Stone in her heart. That's haiku from my mother. Oh, okay. And, and that's that's very telling. Um, you've published some works. Give us a sense of these works and how we can obtain them. Well, the last, I mean, as you know, you talked about the Internet uh, earlier. You know, you Google my name, Stacey Ann Chin, Google Jamaican lesbian poet, Google Jamaican memoir, lesbian memoir, and I'll come up, uh, you know, it's, there's a book I've written called The Other Side of Paradise. It's a memoir. It's mm-hmm. about growing up in Jamaica. It's about being a girl that came through the system of um, poverty and, you know, the education system. Um, it's a funny story. It's a coming-of-age story. It's a heartbreaking story. Um, it's called The Other Side of Paradise. And then there are poems published in various things, and another collection of poems is coming out shortly. So it's called Crossfire. So 
just Google, you know, just go in your bookstore we'll, we'll and ask you. We'll pull you up. There's yeah. nothing like a, a live performance. How would you arrange one of your performances at a venue? How do you mean? Okay, like um, people you know, I'm invited. You. You like know, when people, they listen to, I mean, how would one arrange for your performances at a they, venue? I mean, oh, they, they would get send. You're like, whoa. Okay, well, they I would, would like send an email. They would send an email to Chin Poet. My last name is Chin. My profession is I'm a poet. So chinpoet, one word, at gmail.com, C-H-I-N-P-O-E-T at gmail.com. Send an email and we'll make it happen. Ah, okay. And um, we'll ask you for one more. Uh, any parting words to any um, ambitious poet, poet? Just tell your own truth. Tell it honest. Tell it hard. Tell it relentless. Tell it in the face of fear. Tell it in the face of uh, second thoughts about it. Tell it even when other people are telling you that that truth is wrong. Just remain honest to yourself and keep telling it, keep writing it, keep speaking it anywhere that you have ears. And, um, you know, the work, will, the work will matter to someone. And it may be one person or it might be a million people. You never know. Keep telling it. Yeah. So to learn more about Chris Daly, visit Jamaicans.com. His blog is Me Thinking. And to learn more about Jamaican Diaspora, visit Jamaican Diaspora. To learn about Stacey Ann Chin, visit Stacey Ann Chin. We're going to give you the last word. on a, um, and the, you, you told me you were going to give me two haikus, but I wanted, you to, I wanted to end the interview with you doing that second um, in, haiku. The haiku? <laughs> or whatever, or a poem, whatever you want to do. But the mic is yours. Okay. Um. Uh. How, what should I do quickly now? Um. I think a haiku is good because it's short. Um. Haiku, on turning thirty. Look at me writing poems, lobbying to make boobs sexy when they sag. <laughs> yourself and your wallet healthy with Wellness Plus with Plenty at Rite Aid. In addition to Plenty Points, earn Wellness Plus points every time you shop. $1 spent on everyday items gets you one point and get up to 25 points on every prescription you fill. When you've reached 1,000 Wellness Plus points, you'll get 20% off our regular prices for a year. And that's just one of the four ways to save. Now through October 1st, earn 1,000 Plenty Points when you spend $30 on select P&G products. See RiteAid.com and Circular for details. With new Chips Ahoy Thins, we didn't stop at thin, we put an exclamation point on it. And we didn't stop with thin chocolate chip cookies, we made a thin cinnamon sugar variety too. And then we did a victory jig and then we stopped. But not really, still going. New Chips Ahoy Thins.